I wore Chuck Taylors back in the day when you wore them to play basketball. <laughs> now they don't wear them to play basketball anymore. So, We, uh, as I've been saying all along this morning, we are in the midst of the good journey and thinking through uh, the different chapters and steps that we take in this good journey with uh, Jesus Christ into the heart of God. And today we're going to take a look at, as Lori is mentioning, um, what not to pack for the journey. There's things to pack, which we'll talk about next week, but today we're going to consider what don't you put in the suitcase when you think about beginning this journey into the heart of God. So our two texts are from the New Testament. First, from Luke chapter 5, the beginning 11 verses, and then from Paul's letter to the Colossians. Hear the word of God. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, Jesus saw two boats there at the shore of the lake and the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore and then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet you say so, I let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, and were partners with Simon. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Our second lesson is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11. Paul writes and says, Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray 
that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read into the word made flesh that we may continue down this path with you into the loving heart of God. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Bruce Thielman, the great Presbyterian preacher of last century, used to tell the story of being in a New York subway and noticing on the wall some graffiti. And the graffiti, written most definitely by a child, said, I like girls. <laughs> Except that girls was misspelled. It said grills, G-R-I-L-S, the I and the E inverted, I and the R inverted. I like grills. So in the great New York spirit, someone had come along and written below, it's girls, stupid, I like girls. And then below that, someone had come along and written, but what about us grills? <laughs> what about us grills? Who's going to like us grills? The world is full of girls and the world is full of grills. The world is full of people who are inside the circle and the world is full of people who feel outside the circle. The world is filled with good spellers and the world is filled with bad spellers. The world is full of all sorts of people who like all sorts of people and the world is filled with people who don't like all sorts of people. I like girls, but what about us grills? Who's going to like us grills. Fifth chapter of Luke starts with this story of Jesus in a boat with some of his disciples and he tells them to put out into the deep and to let down their nets. Now these are experienced fishermen and not only are they experienced fishermen but they have been fishing all night and they know that there are no fish at least in these waters. But Jesus has told them that they should let down their nets into the deep so to humor Jesus they do just that, and of course, their nets fill with fish more than they can handle, and Scripture says that they were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And Jesus says to them, don't be afraid, because from now on, you will be catching people. From now on, you will be catching people. In other words, Jesus said, from now on, you will be casting your nets into the deep, and you will be coming up with people, nets and nets full of people. And sure enough, as Luke tells the story, Jesus starts to show them exactly what that means. He brings the disciples with him, and they go to a town, and Jesus immediately encounters a man with leprosy. In the first century, lepers were the people, of course, you stayed away from. They were the untouchables, the unclean, the, the undesirables. If you are a law-abiding rabbi, you especially don't think about even getting close to this infectious, unclean person at the risk of being, becoming untouchable yourself. But Luke tells us that, that Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and cleansed him, made him him well, made him whole, and then you realize what has just happened. Jesus himself has cast his net into the deep, and he has pulled up a person. And it's not a person. Anyone expects a good rabbi to pull in. This is a diseased person, and a disfigured person, an unclean person, an untouchable, an undesirable. But that's what you get when you cast your net into the deep. You get an unperson. 
Now, right after that story, Jesus encounters a paralyzed man who has been lowered into his presence through the roof of a house. And Jesus sees this man lying there on his pallet, and Jesus surprises everybody and says, your sins are forgiven you. Now, everybody sees this man as a person who is unable to walk. He's an unable person, a disabled person, we would say today. But before Jesus even sees this man's physical oneness, he sees his spiritual oneness. He sees him as an unforgiven person, and Jesus forgives him. And then after that, he empowers the unable man to walk. And again, we figured it out. Jesus has cast his net into the deep, and he's pulled in another person. And it's not a person anyone expected him to pull in. This is an unforgiven person, an unable person. But you get that when you cast your net into the deep. You get an unperson. Now, right after that, again, in Luke 5, we read immediately another story of Jesus coming to a tax office, and he spots in the tax office, this man named Levi, he's a tax collector, and, and he's abhorred in first century Israel. He was considered a traitor and a cheat. He worked for the occupying force of Rome. I mean, these were the agents of a system that extorted money from all sorts of levels. Levi was an unwelcomed man. But there's Jesus sitting in Levi's office with everybody looking at him and not believing that what they're seeing there is this guy who is unwelcome at anybody's table, but Jesus has welcomed himself to his table. Follow me, Jesus says. And the scripture says that Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. So again, we see it again. Jesus casts that into the deep and pulls in another person, a surprising person, an unwelcome person, an unwell person, but that's what you get when you cast your net into the deep. You get an unperson, unclean, untouchable, undesirable, unforgiven, unable, unwelcome, unwell. Jesus casts his net into the deep, and it seems that all the people he comes up with are the unpeople. What about us grills? The subway writer writes, well, in Jesus' ministry, the grills turn out to be the uns. Jesus likes the uns. Good thing, because that means he likes us too. Because there's a little bit of un, right, inside each of us. There's a little bit in each of us that is a little hard to love, correct? Unless you think you're entirely lovable, which is the precise thing that we don't like about you. <laughs> Jesus loves the uns, and that means he loves you. And it means he loves everybody. So when he says to the disciples and when he says to us that we're going out to catch some fish, it is this mission then to lure people into the love that Jesus has for all the uns, this invitation to a fishing expedition. And that helps us to understand more of what this good journey is about. It is a fishing expedition, and we're going to go out, and we're going to throw our nets into the deep. We're going to cast our lines into the deep, and we want to try to catch as many people as we can, and we're trying to catch them with the contagion of God's love, the contagion of God's love. We want all the young people, all the young people, all the girls and the grills to know that they're loved by God. We want all the fish, the lobster, the shrimp, the grouper, the carp, the catfish, we want them caught in the contagion of God's love. We want them jumping into the boat. 
We want the nets and boats as full as we can. So start, Jesus says, start packing your tackle box. Start thinking about what you're going to need to catch as many fish as you can. Part of the thinking, then, of what you take on this good journey, this people-catching fishing expedition, is to think also of what not to take. You, you know, you have to decide sometimes what not to take in order that you're going to have room for the things that you are going to take, the things you need to take. And sure enough, that's the first thing that happens to the disciples when Jesus invites them to come on this great people-catching fishing expedition is that the first thing they think to do is they think what not to pack. Scripture says they left behind some things. They dropped some things right at their feet. The disciples dropped their nets. Levi drops his collecting pouches. And they start down this road of luring people into the contagious love of God. When you're on a mission, there are things you must first think about leaving behind. On Facebook this past week, I saw posted a picture of a young man I've known for quite a while whose marriage I performed dozens, a dozen or so years ago, now a father of four. And the picture showed him preparing to board a Coast Guard plane bound for the Bahamas. He's a Coast Guard reservist called up to go search and rescue and aid the victims of Hurricane Dorian. That's the mission. And this mission to the Bahamas means that there's lots of things he's not going to take. No flip-flops, no beach hats, no Tommy Bahama shirts, no dime store novels, no fancy dinner attire. Not even an opinion about the people he's going to help. There are human beings down there that need help, that are unable to help themselves, and he is going to fish them out of the water. When the next Agape flight leaves Venice bound for the Bahamas, there are only so many things they're going to pack into that plane. And the list will not include flat screen TVs, golf clubs, or vintage wine. That's not what you take when you're trying to save people's lives. You see, this journey, this expedition you're on determines what you pack and what you don't pack. So when you're on this people-catching, fishing expedition, there are a bunch of things you just have no room for, things that would be silly to pack, which explains what Paul says when he says, but now you must, you must get rid of anger and wrath and malice and slander and abusive language from your mouth. Because there's no room on the plane for these things. No way you're going to catch people with those things. Ain't no fish going to bite on anger, malice, or slander. No siree. Why, you'd be a fool if you got on the boat with any of those things. Because if you have anger or malice or slander or prejudice or issues with this group of people or that group of people, then maybe you're going to be selective over the kind of fish you want to catch. Maybe you'll be selective over the folks you want to pull from the sea. But Paul says there's no such thing as a good fish or a bad fish. There's no such thing as a girl or a grill or an on or an on. 
There's no longer Greek or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised or Scythian, slave or free. Be Christ, Christ is all and Christ is in all. Christ is all and Christ is in all. C.S. Lewis said that the church exists to draw people into Christ. To lure people with the contagion of God's love into the embrace of Jesus. And that's the mission, then, that we have to be about as we go about the business of unpacking from our souls those elements, those thoughts, those opinions, those sabotaging prejudices that undermine what Jesus is trying to do. Easier said than done, right? Because if you are a normal human being, you've already got all those things packed in your suitcase. You packed them there a long time ago. Life has its way of getting us angry and incurring our wrath and tempting us toward malice and slander and getting us to speak ill of those we don't like or don't agree with. And we pack that stuff inside our hearts. And then Jesus says, come along, we're going to go fish for people. And we want to say to Jesus, sounds good, as long as we're not trying to catch those people. Or those people. At least I don't have to get close to that dolt. As long as I get to cast aspersions on this group. And Jesus says, maybe you weren't around when I explained the mission. We're trying to catch as many people as we can. There isn't any fish we don't want in this boat. There isn't any room for prejudice, for, for judgment. Jesus didn't say, follow me, let's go judge and convict people. For a while, I've been watching from a distance the work of Father Michael Flager up in Chicago. Michael Flager is an untiring advocate for the uns and the grills the downtrodden and the forgotten. He's an elderly white priest leading an African-American congregation, so that alone has caught people's attention. And he really caught people's attention when he started paying for prostitutes, a priest paying for prostitutes, using church money on top of it to pay for prostitutes. Actually, what he had done is he had raised money from the congregation so that he and a team of lay people could spend, pay to spend time with prostitutes to do nothing but to listen to them and to share with them this invitation to come into the boat, inviting them to leave the unlife and receive the love of God and his people and the chance to start again. That's putting away your opinion, your judgment, your fear, your malice, your slander. And it's leaving room in your soul for another child of God. That's casting your net into the deep. When you start the good journey, it's almost important, almost as important what you don't pack as what you pack. Miroslav Volf tells a story about a Franciscan monk from Bosnia, Ivo Markovic, whose family was caught up into the tragic events of the Balkan Wars between the Croats, the Bosnians, and the Serbs. In his home village, in Father Markovic's home village, Muslim and Bosnians swept through the town, killing just about everybody in their sight, including nine of Father Markovic's family. Later, as the war quieted, Father Markovic returned to the village to seek out his childhood home where some of his family had been murdered. 
It was then, then occupied by a Muslim woman who was armed and dangerous, they told him. He was warned not to go, but go he did. And he approached the house, and on the stoop was the old woman with a cigarette dangling from her mouth and brandishing a rifle. Go away, or I'll shoot you, she cocked the rifle. The priest, who had not packed a gun, who had not packed evidently his anger or resentment either, with a firm voice responded, you're not going to shoot me, you're going to make me a cup of coffee. And with that, he took a step closer, and she stared at him, and then slowly put down the rifle, went to the kitchen, took the last bit of coffee she had and mixed it with some more grounds and made just enough for the two to have a cup. The two mortal enemies sat down at a table, sipped the nectar of the gods, and began to talk. The old woman spoke of her loneliness, of the home she had lost, and of her own son who never returned from the war. Slowly, she disarmed. When Father Markovich returned a month later, she told him, I rejoice at seeing you as much as if my son returned. Cast your net into the deep. Brian McLaren, whom I'm very excited will be here next month to speak in our community speaker series, reminds us that the mission of God is a mission of liberation. God is in the business of setting people free. And we catch them with the love of God and release them to love God back and to love their neighbor. But to join God on the mission of liberation, we must first be liberated ourselves from the anger and the opinion and the judgment and the self-righteousness of our thought that has no business on the boat. It sinks us before we untie from the dock. Albert Camus put it this way, all I maintain is that on this earth there are pestilences and there are victims, and it's up to us as far as possible not to join forces with the pestilences. So put away your anger, your wrath, your malice, your slander, your language. For there is no longer Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Scythian slave, girl or grill, for Christ is all, and Christ is in all. <laughs>